Welcome to Noah's Natter, your podcast for casual Christian conversation. We welcome you back to Noah's Natter. This week, we're going to begin a series of podcasts uh, talking about Psalm 51, which was the psalm written about David's repentance after the prophet Nathan had uh, come to him and told him he was the man that had committed adultery and murder in the case of Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. And this is a great psalm for us to learn how to to pray, you might even say, for forgiveness, to have the right kind of heart before the Lord when we have repentance, repented, repentance uh, on our heart. And uh, anyway, so we're just going to get right into this and uh, we're probably going to just try to cover uh, the first 13 verses. We may go further than that. Uh, this will be broken up into at least two uh, podcasts, but uh, we namely want to deal with over these podcasts the first 13 verses. But if we get to England, we may just go on and finish the, the psalm as it was. Uh, but I'm going to get my distinguished colleague, uh, Mr. Brant Allen III, to read Psalm 51. And uh, so, if you will, my brother, uh, audience, are you ready? All right, thank, thank you, you, thank you. All right. <laughs> All right, 51, starting in verse 1, says, uh, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain, sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. All right, that's a whole lot right there. That's a lot. We may not get very far at all after hearing you read that out loud. <laughs> you know, um, As you were reading verse 1, I, I see two, I don't even get out of ver- the first half of verse 1 where I see two terms that we don't a lot of times attribute to Old Testament and grace and then that word loving kindness which is often translated mercy uh, in the Old Testament and really as we discuss as Christians a lot of times the Old Testament we rarely talk about God's grace and God's mercy Mm -hmm. because we want to say that's under the new covenant right we want to concentrate on the judgment of God and the sin of Israel and the you know what do you think about seeing those two words there? Uh, be gracious to me, he asked God, and he he says that this grace that you have is 
according to or comes about because of your your mercy or your loving kindness what do you think about finding that there i just think it's wonderful david david understood that god is uh he's full of mercy and and grace and uh to what you're talking about you know to see that in the old testament and in the new testament and just bridges the gap to say that uh it's for all time right his his, his grace and his mercy are uh, never failing they're always enduring why are we so uh, why are we so quick to not even consider sometimes grace and mercy when we talk about old testament uh, passages why do you think we have that bent to do that i think somehow we think that we've got it better you know i don't really know because you know jesus because we think that now we've we've seen Jesus and we've got this new covenant that He's given us, and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with. But but even in Old Testament, you can see in there that God said, "I I want to come and live among my people and live with them, dwell with them." So uh, they just didn't want a whole lot to do with Him, really, did they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that was the main gist of it. I think it's an arrogance. Uh, uh, of some sort for us I, I agree with that you know um, in a crazy way and I use that term crazy in loose terms wasn't the very giving of the law of God to Israel wasn't that an act of his grace it was because he didn't have to let them know where they fell short right or what he expected yeah and uh now there, there was probably he was probably less merciful under the law. I, I, right. I, I think we can definitely say that, but yeah. that's not to say he wasn't merciful at all. No, but uh, I he, think where we go too far is when we say that it's just non-existent at all. Right, even from the garden account. Oh yeah. I mean, you can definitely see grace and mercy there. I mean, you know, he didn't have to. He didn't have to clothe Adam and Eve. He didn't have to sacrifice one of his own creations to cover their sin you know he could have destroyed them and started all over and right? started all over yeah, yeah. you know yeah. And so he, i didn't even think about that you know right off the bat there but that's yeah so why why do we find grace and mercy in the old testament then because that's who God is. Okay, that's exactly that's that. the very essence I, of I was who hoping he that's is. The answer you would get, <laughs> give. Uh, yeah, Jonah. Jonah, uh, adeptly, even in his anger, even said that. You know, he said, and "This is why I didn't want to go preach to the folks in Nineveh because I know that you're gracious and you're merciful." Which is bizarre. Yeah. Really. So, with that said, God's grace and mercy, we've talked about two characters that vocalized that they knew about it david and jonah Mm -hmm. all right and uh, so if those two guys knew about god's grace and mercy i'm gonna think there was quite a few others in the old testament that were witnesses of it they may not have known what to call it or even referred to it as that i got to thinking about even in the book of Esther, I, uh, about two or three weeks ago, I, I just did a uh, one message is kind of overview of the whole book. You know, God's not mentioned there by name at all. But what was definitely seen was his sovereignty and his providence. But 
was his graciousness to Israel in raising up somebody to save them. Just a picture of Jesus. All right. But even in a book where God's not mentioned by name, and he doesn't have to be mentioned by name to see his attributes. But, no. Uh, you could clearly see God's grace and mercy as he dealt with Israel in that book. So, right. yeah, it's everywhere in the Old Testament. Yeah. And we I, maybe we're just taught that, or we accidentally learn to think like that. I but think it, so. But it's wrong thinking, right? Yeah, it I mean, is. Can we agree yeah. on that? that Definitely agree. That it's not wrong. And, and, you know, the psalmist here, he's it almost has this overtone of, of begging God, at least asking God, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Because I think David understood what the law said about the consequences of adultery and murder were. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's living clearly under the law. Right. And he did deserve, even though he was the king. He deserved it all. If he'd got justice, that's exactly what he would have received. That's right. A stoning or whatever the punishment was going to be. And so... He he was smart and spiritually aware that he... He had, recognized. Yeah. And how, how much time do we need to... How many times do we need to step up and recognize things like that? You know? Yeah. And we don't. No, we don't. You know. We go out of the way to not recognize it. Oh, that's that's true. Yeah. That's true. It's Go ahead. Well, I think in a lot of times... Because of that, without we got to have people like Nathan in our lives to point those things out to us sometimes because we don't we don't recognize them, you know. Uh, especially those who live in in blatant sin don't ever recognize it. Even Christians, because Christians true. can live a sinful life and not ever not ever be convicted of it, Absolutely. you know, until somebody else brings it to light to them. Right. You know, and that it's at that point then we have to have an awareness of, okay, even uh, even though I'm under grace and mercy, I, this is what I deserve. I still deserve punishment. And it's hard to imagine that a believer. I mean, it happens, like you said. Yeah, a believer who's has the Holy Spirit within them can be can can have Him convicting them of the sin that they're guilty of. Yet they harden their heart, and as they harden that heart that mercy and grace kind of fades into the background, you know, and they forget until somebody comes along. Like I said, he raises up that uh, Nathan character. and, and The prophet, the one who speaks, speaks for God. He does, and <laughs> and it's like almost like a, it's like I'm getting a, an injection of, a, you know, epinephrine or something spiritually, you know, and yeah. they wake up and are getting a rush of adrenaline, and, right. and they become aware of it. You know, some of them don't. Some of them go on to get chastised by God and, Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, just, it's very interesting just the way he starts out here Definitely. with this. And, and he links that, the, the, this link that he does here in the last part of verse 1. He says, according to the greatness of your compassion. So another great quality of God that we don't think about a lot in the Old Testament. Out of his love comes grace and mercy because it's really out of that love flows everything. Right. Right. Yeah. And he he makes a direct connection between God's compassion and love for him, and those two qualities that he, right. that he talks about, and and then he kind of takes it forward. He says, "The greatness of your compassion blot out my transgressions." And of course, all three words for sin are used in this passage, and we'll we'll take each of those as we go to him. But uh, he so he applies those three words. 
they all have to do with forgiveness, love, mercy, and grace. I mean, it's almost like we have the gospel. That's it. Or the effects of the gospel seen in one verse of this, yeah. and we, we're not even out of verse one yet. Right. So it right. talks about his transgression. So what is a transgression? What kind of sin is a transgression or a trespass? What is that? What is that generally mean? Well, it means just step over a boundary. So, so God has boundaries. God, God has God has specific boundaries. I mean, of course, we all know this picture, but if we're driving down the road and we see a big sign that says "No trespassing," and I get out, uh, and there's a fence there, and I get out of my vehicle and I climb over that fence, I've knowingly trespassed, and that's exactly what David is talking about here. That's going outside of the boundaries that God has set for us. And that boundary is, if you want to think of it as that, the law. Was. Was, was the law, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I was, I'm thinking I said was because of what David. Sure. I mean, he crossed two of the Ten Commandments in one, one act. One right? act, yeah. Uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. Boy, he... He not only went over the fence, he ran, jumped over the fence, didn't he? Right. Well, and we think about just the Ten Commandments as the law, but there's all those others that were added in there as well. Oh, and it says if you commit adultery, you're guilty of it, and you're and you're worthy of stoning or murder. Right. You know, right. an eye for an eye. You know, it's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, but he he did so many other things besides that. Oh, yeah. he was dishonest. Right. You know, he lied. He, I, all kinds of things, but you know. Yeah, he was strong now. The gate with a murder. And he adultery. was way outside the boundary line. He really was. So yeah. I'm I'm glad that now that we're under the New Testament, that none of God's people ever cross the line anymore. We don't ever transgress or trespass against God's word, do we? Right. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> we're no less guilty today uh, than he was then. Uh, just. It, it, only difference is the context of our lives. We we've all mm-hmm. committed transgression or trespasses. You know, it was interesting when when the disciples come to Jesus and he gives to us the model prayer that of all the three words for sin that he used, it was this one. Yeah. You know why I think this is just totally speculation. Because I, I think of the, the missing the mark, which is the sin, the crossing the line, which is transgression. Or that bent that I have uh, to go against God or around what He said is that that trespass seems to be the easiest to do. Oh yeah, to step over a line, an imaginary line, is is almost the easiest kind of sin. Not to say the others aren't easy to do either. Right. But it's I mean they're all the, the especially the missing the mark and across the line are usually the two easier kind of sins that we would be involved in. And it's and, a lot less visible when you're not looking at the intent of it that's we're not looking into the perfect law yeah. as it says in scripture that's absolutely true absolutely true and he says you're that they blot out my transgression you know it's that idea of just totally eradicating it yes you know, out of memory for god from from god's perspective even out of his memory whatever that means i've always had a hard time understanding that but god says he doesn't remember doesn't the remember. sin anymore that's right know? And if that's in the context of human memory, that's an amazing thing. Amen. Because he's willfully forgetting something yeah. that we want to remember or that we will remember. Mm-hmm, we will. 
and always we didn't get a forgetter with our forgiver <laughs> but that's to keep us honest you know you, that's you right. might say yeah. anything about that else you see in that verse one that stands out to you no that's i mean that was all the th- all the things is what you already pointed out so and he doesn't even get out of verse two before he picks up the other two words yeah does he and so here here he says wash me thoroughly i always have a hard time saying that word thoroughly thoroughly thank you from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin and if i remember right you can correct me that there's two words for wash here to clean and i believe that one is an outward and one is an inward here i yes. may be wrong on that i don't i believe that's right i don't remember which one's which but anyway idea i think the washing is the outside outward and the cleansing is the inward okay like a purging kind of cleanse but so he's wanting to be, and we can we can i guess we could spend minutes on trying to delineate between those two which i don't like is really his point no i think that he wanted to be totally have this burden of the sin totally removed totally removed from him you mm-hmm. know whether it was an external feeling or an inward yeah, feeling or whatever you know. Well, yeah, because he he uses the word blot for God to do that. He's asking God to totally wipe it out of his memory. He's asking David, or David is asking that he's he's completely purified of it. Right. That's right. basically in, both inside and out. So, you know, he he's describing his actions as being iniquitous. Verse two, and then missing the mark and having that bent going around what God had. Right. Had so. I mean, this this guy had. I mean, he used. I'm glad he's using all the words because his sins certainly covered all of them. You That's know? right. Yeah. Some of the worst things you can do as a human being, we might would even argue he was involved in doing. But uh, definitely, what made him aware of the fact that he needed the, the washing and the cleansing was the word that that God sent to him through this prophet dude named right. Nathan. Nathan. And Nathan, very interesting on his name means a gift from God. The yeah. word Nathan is, comes from the Hebrew stem, which has to do with a gift. And I want to tell you, when God gives you a word about your sin, that's a gift. It is a gift. It yeah. doesn't feel like it at the time, but it's a yeah, gift. Right. Because like we said, if God wasn't merciful and if God wasn't gracious, He would just let us languish and live out our lives in our sin and then let us die in our sin. Yeah, that's right. You know, And uh, David knew... Verse 3, he says, For my, this will be our last verse for today, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. You know, even though the prophet, and I really think, I think this may be true, even before Nathan comes to him, I have no doubt that David knew it done wrong. Oh, yeah. You know, even he, in the act of doing it, he knew it. He knew it. He, he knew it was wrong. He just wasn't intending at the present to do anything about it he was going to let it fester and 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 just sit there and, right. and uh hopefully maybe he thought people would forget about it he was the king and all that kind of yeah. trappings that he was in and more than likely at the time that nathan confronted him about it he had already thought that you know oh i'm good i'm good yeah yeah i i've I made it through the this part it, everything's fine you know yeah what it did about a year yeah you know something, something like, like that, that. yeah because the baby the baby had already died and been born so it was you know more than that and this this phrase every time i read it in this passage is 
is and my sin is ever before me. The way I translate that in my mind is it's always on my mind. Mm-hmm. I can't get it out of my mind. No. And you know, um, that's not a bad thing. No. But if it's there, then it, it is a bad thing. Yes. If it's not dealt with. Because you could know about your sin all day long, like he did for a year, but not give it under, get it under the blood, not confess it. That's right. Not get washed, like you yeah. said. Right. And that's not good because that affects a whole lot of things down the line, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to affect your relationship with God, number one. Your relationship with other people is, right. is going to be out of whack, I think. I agree. When you have I that agree. sin festering like that because you're not spiritually thinking correctly. Yeah. You know, you're not really yeah, uh, uh, free. Blatant, blatant sin affects every area of your life. Every area. It doesn't matter if it's your home, your work. Every relationship is affected by unconfessed sin. And and sin is never done in a vacuum. No. You know, even a sin of our attitude that nobody can outwardly see. I've just believed that if that goes unconfessed, that it will affect our relationship with other people. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I may be wrong, but if we have something that affects our relationship with God, it just by default is going to affect our relationship with God's people. Yes. Tony Evans, you say this. He said it, it is in horizontal relationships that demonstrates vertical reality. Right. You know, and that's on the positive side or the sinful side. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, we are made aware of our sin. The very first thing we ought to do is confess it, mm-hmm. not repress it, suppress it, or, you know, whatever it needs to be addressed and confessed. That's the only way you get relief. That's right. And I think any other uh, any other response to it is going to bring problems. Definitely, you agree with that? I agree. Well, totally. we got we got all the way through verse three. Man, we're rolling fast. We only got 157 more to go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we will be back. That was a not a laugh track, there was it? We will return next time, and we will pick up at verse four. And if you follow us on our podcast. If you had had time to read the first song, between now and next, next.